0: all right guys welcome into deep dive fantasy football podcast we're doing episode two today remember you can follow us on instagram at deep dive fantasy football at twitter at deep dive ff and you can visit our website deep dive fantasy com. All right, so for this episode, we're doing eight fantasy tips to remember, and the first one that I want to focus on is at the running back position when we're drafting. A lot of times, there's two players that we're just stuck on, and we don't know exactly who to go with, and that could be a make-or-break-it decision for the rest of our season. So my tip for this problem is when you're stumped on who to draft in a close call at the running back position, go with the running back on the better offense. So an example... David Johnson and Alvin Kamara were very close to each other before the season started in ranking, and a lot of people took David Johnson first, and a lot of people took Kamara first. Well, obviously, as you guys know, Kamara was way better. He finished at four in points per game at the running back position in PPR, and that's even after Ingram came back and took carries. Most Kamara owners could tell you in the later half of the season It was a little disappointing, even though he was averaging about 20 points per game, just because before Ingram, he was averaging about 35. David Johnson, on the other hand, finished at RB9, and it's really just because of the offense. I mean, he got a few less carries than a lot of people projected, but even if he got those few carries per game that we were projecting originally, he still would have not finished much higher, if higher at all. And a big reason is because of that offense. Also, if you look at Melvin Gordon, by points per game, obviously, because he got hurt. So that's why I'm going by points per game. He was number three in PPR. Once again, he's on a great offense. What about Damian Williams? He was a Dolphin last year. And when given the opportunity, he did terrible, right? He's not that talented of a running back. Well, after Kareem Hunt got released by the Chiefs, Damian Williams came in, and by points per game, he was number eight, an RB1, Damian Williams. He's not even that talented. He was just on a good offense and got the opportunity. I feel like for running back, a lot of us overlook the offense as a whole and like to just look at the skill at the running back position. And while the skill of the running back is important, I feel like we... Can't forget that the offense is just a big of a factor, if not a bigger factor. Moving on, also staying with running backs, for our second tip, we should draft more running backs than wide receivers. Now, if you're in a league that's like four receivers start and only two running backs, obviously that's a different story. But in the standard two running back, two wide receiver leagues, many wide receivers pop up on waivers each year and can be had for very cheap. So I think it's a lot more strategic to go heavy running back, no matter where you're picking them in each round. For example, this year, Tyler Boyd showed up on the waivers um, around week three, I would say, is when he started picking up steam. He finished at wide receiver 17. Tyler Lockett picked up off the waivers, finished wide receiver 16. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 22. Adam Humphreys, 24. Godwin, 26. And the... Even better aspect of the whole wide receiver waiver wire thing is that you can predict their weak outcomes. So not like an exact science, but when you're picking up wide receivers off the waiver, if they have a bad matchup, for example, if you're picking up the wide receiver one for a team that's started to get a lot of targets and he's going up against Pat Pete, you know, he's not going to do good that week. So you pick up somebody else and that works a lot with receiver. And yes, I'm sure you guys are thinking, what about James Conner, Nick Chubb, the running backs that pop up, but here's the difference. The running backs that pop up and finish very high at the end of the season, when they pop up on waivers, everyone is going after them. Not only is everyone going after them, but if you use FAB or even if it's just regular waiver priority, you're not going to get them unless you either spend a lot of money with FAB or if you have the number one waiver priority, maybe number two if the guy with one's not paying attention. But the wide receivers you can get, and it's just a lot easier to work that way and draft more running backs than the other way around. The third thing, don't downgrade running backs or wide receivers with otherworldly talent because they won't maintain efficiency. Now, I specifically put running backs and receivers because quarterbacks a lot of times their first or second year have crazy efficiency. You saw that with Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson in 2017. Well, this year, their efficiency regressed to what's normal for an NFL quarterback, and they weren't you know, averaging 25, 30 points per game like they were last season. But with running backs and receivers, it's different because a lot of their high efficiency is due to their skill level. And an example would be Tyreek Hill, Alvin Kamara, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Those are the three really specific ones I want to focus on because these were candidates to regress in efficiency and end up not doing as good as people drafted them. Well, Tyreek Hill finished as the wide receiver one. Alvin Kamara, like I said before, was number four at the running back position. And Juju Smith-Schuster, even though he's not the wide receiver one on that team, which some people might try to argue now, is uh he finished at eight so they may see a tiny bit of dip like camara went from six yards per carry to five but the offense makes sure to get the ball to these otherworldly talents so i think that's a big thing that you can't really overlook don't think that just because a running back or receiver. Had really high numbers in a category that it's not sustainable because even if it regresses a little bit, the offense is going to purposefully target them more to get them involved and to open up the rest of the offense. The fourth tip, and this is a widely known thing that most fantasy people do, but there's always a few people that reach, don't be that person. Do not draft a quarterback high. Every year about half of the top 12 quarterbacks at the end of the year were late rounders or off the waivers. Let's just look at this year. Before the season started, the top 3 quarterbacks drafted were Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers finished 7th and was not very good in by any means. He finished 7th and was barely ever even a QB1. He just didn't give you very many bust weeks, which I would say is probably less than 15 points at the quarterback position. But Rodgers didn't give you those blow-up games that people draft him for. So many people wasted a third-round pick on Rodgers when you could have just drafted one of the stud tight ends, which I'll come back to because that's one of our later tips. So looking at number two was Wilson. Wilson finished at QB 9. Watson was drafted third on average and finished at QB 5. So no before you ask, I'm not going to be drafting Mahomes. I'm not saying I don't think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to do good. I would not be surprised if he still finishes as a quarterback one. But am I expecting 50 touchdowns? No. 45? No. Maybe 38-40. I haven't gone through my projections yet. But his touchdown percentage, I believe, was around 8% of his um, attempts. And that's not sustainable. Even if he does keep it high, I just don't think that that offense can exactly reproduce or replicate what they did this year. I mean, it was just completely insane. He set so many records, and he almost broke the total touchdown record. I think he was one away from Peyton Manning's 55. So looking at this year's actual finishes was Mahomes at one, And he was drafted at around 15 and Ryan at two. And it was actually different from format to format or like between Yahoo or ESPN. But Matt Ryan was usually around the six to 10 range. Um, And some people got him late. Some people got him at like QB 12 or 13. But you see this every year with fantasy quarterbacks. A lot of times the quarterbacks at the top were not drafted at the top. And I think part of the reason is because it's very hard to project what's going to happen before the season starts while we're drafting. Because once the season starts and we see what the team is producing, whether they have a bad defense and have to catch up a lot like the Chiefs were, and even the Falcons were because of injuries, we, we don't know that stuff before the season starts. So I think that's a big factor. Also... When you can get a quarterback late and take a shot, you can also take multiple shots. Most people only draft one quarterback. So if you're taking a quarterback later on, then you can take a safe quarterback and then take a shot on somebody like Mahomes. Obviously that worked out. This year, I think one of those good shots is gonna be James Winston, Baker Mayfield. But let's just move on to the next tip. I think you guys get the point. Don't draft quarterbacks high. I think most of you guys already know that. Fifth one, kind of a joke, but also completely serious. Don't follow the Miami running back hype train trap. We never accurately pinpoint the workloads of the Miami running backs. For some reason, Miami just hates their running backs. Just think about it. Lamar Miller had... Before when he was in Miami, before he became a Texan. He had a huge back half season, and that's when we were all drafting him in the first round. I remember because I had him in a keeper league, and I was excited. Well, the year after that, he did absolutely nothing. Then Jay Ajayi emerges. He had the huge back half of the season. Miami says, Jay Ajayi's our guy. We're giving him the workload. We're going with Jay Ajayi. And then what happens? He does nothing and gets traded. Kenyon Drake has the good back half of the season in 2017. 2018, we're all happy, excited for Kenyon Drake. Oh, he's great in PPR. He gets receptions. He's explosive. He's quick. He's slippery. Blah, 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 blah. And then guess what happens? They don't commit to Drake. So I'm guaranteeing you, maybe not guaranteeing, but I would not be surprised if they draft a running back in this year's draft which it doesn't have that many good running backs in the first place, start a huge hype train. Oh, he looks so good in, in camp. He looks so good. We're committing to this guy, blah, blah, blah. Don't fall for it. All right, do not fall for it. I will not be drafting any Miami running backs unless there is crazy value involved. And now to the sixth tip, which I mentioned or foreshadowed earlier with the tight ends. Do not undervalue the top two tight ends. They are game changers. I'm talking about Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. You can throw Kittle in there. He's pretty good. And a sneaky OJ Howard is also worth mentioning. But specifically, Kelsey and Ertz. I'm not mentioning Gronk1 because I think he's fallen off. um, A big reason due to health and age. Um, Not that he's old, but just the style of play he runs with is difficult for how his health is looking now. And I actually think he's going to retire, so that's why I'm not talking about Gronk, if you're wondering. But Kelsey and Ertz. Listen to this stat. Travis Kelsey in PPR leagues had 294.6 points. He was the tight end one. Ertz was the tight end two at around 280. Then there's a decent drop to Kittle, who was around 250. But here's the crazy thing. Remember, Kelsey was the tight end one with 294. Jared Cook was the tight end five with 193. That's more than a 100-point drop from the number one tight end to the number five. If you look at any other position in fantasy football, you will not find anything remotely close to that. Even if you stream tight ends perfectly, you would have not gotten close to producing Travis Kelsey or Zach Gertz numbers. Those guys are definitely worth third round picks, which is where they usually get drafted. And I would even be looking to take them in the second round, depending on how the draft is going. It's just plain and simple. The tight end drop off is like jumping off a cliff. You have the top two, maybe Kittle will get up there in the top three, and then the rest is just so much worse, it's not even close. Now, remember I said a sneaky OJ Howard. The reason I say he's sneaky is for two reasons. 1 Cameron Brait may not be a buck by the start of next season. He could get traded. The Bucks have a low cap right now and with the new um the new coach and the new staff, they're going to want to bring in their own players and they don't have much money to do that right now. If they offload Cameron Brate in a trade, not only would they obviously get a decent pick, probably a third fourth rounder, but they would save $7 million. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as a Patriot and becomes the Gronk replacement. That would be pretty cool Um, and fun to project for fantasy. But if Breit is gone, Howard actually was second, I believe, in the league in yards per target. He's massively efficient. And if Breit's gone, he's only going to get more targets. And you know that he's going to be getting used because when the new coach comes in, what do they always do right away? They go to the best players. That's Mike Evans, OJ Howard, plain and simple. Also, Deshaun Jackson's probably going to be gone, whether he gets traded or released, probably released. So that's even more targets. So OJ Howard's going to be a sneaky guy. And if I don't get Ertz or Kelsey in the top, I'm probably going to be taking Howard around the 6th, 7th round in drafts. Our seventh tip, if you're in a super flex league, which for those of you that do not know, a super flex league is basically your normal flex is where you can put running back wide receiver tight end. Well, the super flex, you can also put a quarterback. Well, when you're in super flex leagues, you should always have a quarterback in that super flex spot. When you're in those leagues, don't just draft two quarterbacks, one for your quarterback spot and one for the super flex for a few reasons. Quarterbacks always get hurt. And like I said earlier, quarterbacks are very hard to predict. So if you think that you're getting two great guys, you could be extremely wrong by the time the season starts. So I think it's good to draft four. It's going to be hard, especially if you're in a 12-team league, because there's only 32 starting quarterbacks. But if you can, get four, but at least get three. I would always take one safe guy, one guy with high upside, and then do what you want with the other one or two quarterbacks. And our last tip. Rookie wide receivers pick up in the back half of seasons, so there's no need to draft them. They will get dropped to the waivers and then scoop them up for free before it's too late. So let me elaborate. A lot of people pick up the rookie wide receivers because they're so skilled and they're just excited and they don't know at all what's going to happen and it's just very intriguing, so people want to take that high upside receiver. Well, Rookie wide receivers don't produce in the first half of seasons, and a lot of players are not patient, especially in the very beginning of the seasons, because they're trying to get those early wins, trying to get that head start on the season. So a lot of people will just drop immediately. A lot of people drop Sony Michel. I know it's the running back position, but just showing the impatience of most fantasy players. Sony Michel got dropped by week two or three by a lot of people, and look at what he ended up doing. And there was no reason to drop him. It was just because he was hurt. It's not like he wasn't producing. So a lot of people are going to drop these rookie receivers and then they're going to pick up. I'll give you some examples of how that worked out this year. And keep in mind, Calvin Ridley, yes, he had those huge games in the beginning of the season, but that's an outlier. That usually does not happen. DJ Moore this year, the first seven weeks of the season, averaged 5.5 points per game in PPR. After the first seven weeks... He jumped up from 5.5 to 11.8 points per game in PPR, and he was on everyone's waiver wire. Dante Pettis, now this is going to show you basically why they pick up in the later half of the year, because Dante Pettis was hurt the first half of the year, but the reason that when he came back in the second half of the year, he was so good was because while he was hurt, the thing that makes them better in the second half, he was not missing out on. That thing is learning the playbook and the offense. Wide receiver, unlike running back, is not easy to just walk into the NFL and play, especially with how good the corners are. You have to learn technique. You have to learn the playbook. You have to be integrated into the offense. Running backs just get the ball and pick the lane and go. It's very different for receivers. Dante Pettis, once he was healthy and came back and started playing, he averaged 14.15 points per game as a rookie. So remember, rookie wide receivers, don't bother drafting them. They'll be on your waivers, and they are definitely, definitely going to be a good pickup for you. Just try and grab them before they explode. Now, a lot of you guys, based off two of my stats, the rookie wide receiver stat that I just finished and drafting more running backs than receivers, you guys might be thinking that, well, there are plenty of running backs that pop up on waivers, But remember, like I said earlier, it's a lot harder to get the running backs off the waivers than it is the wide receivers because one, there's a lot more wide receivers and two, running back is usually so shallow due to injuries and just that there's only a few that get a lot of carries and a big workload on each team that people are going all in for those running backs and it's a lot harder for you to get them. So those are our eight fantasy tips to remember. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Football. Twitter at DeepDiveFF, and you can visit our website, DeepDiveFantasyFootball at com. That's it for today. See you guys next time. Lastly, just so you guys don't think I'm discounting Calvin Ridley or not talking about him or elaborating him because he doesn't fit my stat and won't make it look good, here's why he is an outlier. In the beginning of the season when he was going nuts and putting up great games for you guys, He was doing it not by receptions or yards, but by touchdowns. Here's the thing. He is not going to be able to sustain what he was doing touchdown-wise. Now, you might be thinking, what about when you said that a wide receiver's talent and a running back's talent that are otherworldly don't diminish? Well, Calvin Ridley doesn't have that otherworldly talent. He doesn't have crazy speed, crazy strength. He's just a good route runner. But... This is the thing. His touchdown to target ratio was 9.2. That means every 9.2 targets that he received, he had a touchdown. That's insane. Julio Jones is regarded as one of the best receivers in the game, right? Well, Julio Jones, he had eight touchdowns this year. His touchdown to target ratio was 21.25. That means every 21 targets that Julio had he had a touchdown that's a lot closer to the league average than nine which is what Calvin Ridley had so that's not going to be sustainable he's probably going to regress to I would say at least 15 targets per touchdown and without those touchdowns Ridley really would not have been producing for you in the beginning of the season so that's why he's an outlier and that's it for today that's our A fantasy tips to remember Remember, you guys can follow us on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, Twitter at Deep Dive FF, and you can visit our website, Deep Dive Till next time, have a good one. Peace out.